Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Hardcore Gamer Show, our show about video games and why you should play them. I'm your host, Michael Koval, and with me this week are Vincent Hand. Hello, hello, hello. Nathan Ludel. Kachinga. And Kirk, definitely sus, Temple. Hey, guys. Uh, we've got a great show for you this week. Uh, we're going to be having another session of our town hall, our section where listeners submit their problems and the hardcore gamers address their concerns. We've got some news. We're going to talk about what we've been playing. But first, it's a new month, and you guys know what that means. We're playing a new game for our game club. Each month, we play a new game, gather our thoughts and yours, and vote to see if the game can win our hardcore seal of approval in our game club episode airing at the end of each and every month. Listeners, you can follow along with our Game of the Month and share your thoughts on Twitter at HGZ Games Show. That's games with a Z. I'm excited about our pick this month. Um, Vince, why don't you go ahead and tell everyone what we're playing for Game Club? Oh, man. So I picked our Game Club uh, pick this month because I was really in the mood for some hot action. And hot action we have, y'all. We are playing Devil May Cry 5. Ooh, what a game. Oh, very exciting. Um, Vince, why'd you pick this one? So I picked it because uh, last summer, summer of 2020, I was uh, going through some games, uh, had some time on my hands, and uh, decided to try a game that... I had played maybe like a level or two of back in 2019 when it released, but really like never sunk my teeth into it because I don't know about you guys, but I feel like Devil May Cry has the sort of reputation of like a game that hardcore gamers played. And I didn't really know at the time that I was a hardcore gamer, um, but I played it and absolutely loved it. And I've been wanting to do a second playthrough and I wanted to show you guys what it was like and hear how well you're going to be doing because uh it's it's easy to do okay but it's hard to do super sexy styling very exciting well that sounds very fitting uh for our show we are the hardcore gamers after all um but without further ado let's get right into what we've been playing uh this week um, first of all, actually, I've been playing a new game uh, just released on PlayStation 5 this week. Um, actually came to Steam, uh, PC on Steam as well. Uh, but this is the game Maquette, which is the, de the debut release uh, from the developer Graceful Decay and was published by Annapurna Interactive. Um, this is a new puzzle game that, like I said, just released as a PS Plus release free this month uh, for subscribers. And it's uh, stunningly beautiful. It is it is a PS5 release. Have any of you guys had a chance to check this one out? I've played a little bit. Um, got through like the first two missions, or I guess storylines. Uh, it seems to be pretty good. I wasn't expecting as much story as it was given. Um, considering other puzzle games I played don't have much story, but uh, this one really was kind of taking you through a journey. Yeah, um, there's some great voice acting in this one. Um, Bryce Dallas Howard is in this game, I believe, and Ooh, that's a her, get. That that's quite the get um, for this little indie game. And her uh, opposite 
is actually uh, her husband, I've come to find out, which I thought was an interesting duo um, there. But there's a bit of a love story going on um, throughout. Um, Nathan, it sounded like you had gotten a chance to get in there for this one as well. What were what were your thoughts? Yeah, yeah, I've uh, I've toyed around with it a little bit. Um, I'm really surface uh, level at this point, but um, first impressions, it's really pretty. <laughs> uh, it just looks really good. Um, you know, showcases that nice uh, ray tracing lighting for the PS5. Yeah, definitely. I think this was um, a good pick for uh, a, a PS Plus game. Um, I think that people are probably still getting their PS5s, um, still looking for kind of the showcases, like you said, to show off uh, those beautiful graphics. And I think Maquette does that really well. So um, that's a fun little puzzle game. Uh, if you are a subscriber, like I mentioned, to PS Plus, it is free. So check that one out. Um, but other than that, Nathan, last week uh, you told us that uh, you were getting started in some Night in the Woods. Um, are you still playing that? How's that going? Yeah, yeah. I'm uh, I'm kind of slowly getting through it, uh, doing like a little bit at a time. Um, not as much as I probably should be because I've been kind of been distracted by another Switch game by the name of Hades. Um, it's, it's that, you know, like... I keep trying to leave, but they keep pulling me back in type, you know? Um, <laughs> it's hard to get away from that one. They turn and, up and the I... heat. <laughs> <laughs> At this, well, it's just like, I, I, I remember like, cause I always like see online about it. Like people would just like be talking about it and like, you know, thirsting for the Greek gods and whatnot. But it's, I got back into it and completed two runs already again. And I'm like, oh, here we go again. <laughs> and uh, how far into it um, are you? You said you've completed a couple of runs, mm -hmm. um, but have you have you done um, the first uh, the first ten wins? Have you gotten? No, I've only done uh, three wins so far, so I'm pretty like low on um, story wise for like um, what goes on after you complete a run. Right. There's a there's plenty uh, going on, even after the first couple of runs there. So I know mm -hmm. I stuck with that one for quite a long time as well. Um, but it looks like you've got a couple of other interesting picks um, that you've been playing as well. Uh, do you want to tell me about either of your other two here? Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, I've mentioned before, I'm still playing Night in the Woods, Hades. Persona 5 Royal, um, when I'm home. Um, How far are you? Where are you at? Yeah, I am in what's his name? Is it Najima-san's palace? Um, oh, yeah, the casino. So I'm in casino. there right now. Yeah, so that's been a lot of fun. Um, awesome. I just got my first will seed out of that palace. So that's been really cool. Um, but I've recently been distracted by another game, which is a part of the PS Plus collection called Bloodborne. Ooh. So I should preface this by saying this is my very first FromSoft game. Um, I've never played like any of the Dark Souls games, never touched Sekiro. I've as vanilla as you could possibly be uh, going into this. Okay. And I, I think uh, actually that people do throw Bloodborne around as one um, 
maybe a good starting point uh, for people new to the Soulsborne series. Um, how are you finding it so far? Um, fun, but devastating as hell at the same time. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's a uh, well, because you know, it's that game's first like few levels are just punishing as all get up. Like I was stuck on that one like linear path um, at the very beginning where there's like just a bunch of like dudes hanging around trying for to good, get like the cleric of roads a yard. Yeah, for like a good two yard hours. <laughs> I'm just getting my ass kicked over and over and over again. And then like at some point, just like any other like super challenging but fair game, it sort of just like clicks and you're like, ah, that's how it goes. Like I got used to like kind of the heavy combat and everything, and I've beaten two of the bosses so far. Um, mm-hmm. I just beat the blood. I forget, forget what her name. Blood Starf Beast. Blood Starf Beast. Blood Starf Beast. Yes, and that's a wall. That's a huge wall. Yeah. So I've just beaten her. So I'm going to the third one, whatever her name is. Um, so Vicar Amelia. Yes. Yes. Awesome. Yeah, that game has um, a pretty steep learning curve right there at the beginning. Um, but I think if you're making it through uh, the first three bosses, um, mm-hmm. you're you're pretty much there already. You don't even need to play the rest of it. Um, <laughs> Just call quits after that. <laughs> uh, but to keep us going ahead here, uh, Kirk, it looks like you're playing a newer release. Um, what have you been playing? Yeah, so kind of similar to how Nathan has been playing Hades, I have picked up the new action roguelike, uh, Curse of the Dead Gods by Pastech Games. Uh, It actually came out mm, two weeks ago on the 23rd, my birthday actually. Um, And this is a bit of a slower action roguelike than Hades. I will be referencing Hades the lot because I think it's very similar to Hades. Um, but kind of take away the Greek aspect of Hades and throw in some, like, Indiana Jones as Techian vibes instead. Because instead of going through, well, the realm of Hades, you are going through an Aztec temple. And it supplies you with three weapons, a main, side, and heavy. Um... And, you know, those range to, like, a sword, pistol, and spear, or, like, throwing knife, shield, and a giant hammer. Uh, so, pretty classic weapons and within your own action game. But I like how the combat's been so far. It's a little bit harder than Hades, I would say. But it has very rewarding parries that, if you, once you're able to figure out the... Uh, enemy mechanics you can get pretty consistent parries off and the bosses are a little brutal sometimes uh my main mm-hmm. uh, nitpick on the game so far is that you kind of get stun locked when you get hit so if you're getting like hit rapidly you can't like get out of the way and you just like lose like a third of your health off of like one Gatling attack. Oh no, <laughs> Curse of the Dead Gods, why? Yeah, so it's been a little rough, but I think it, for people who like Hades, uh, this is definitely a game to check out. 
So I looked at a little bit of the gameplay here, and um, I think you astutely point out that the game uh, resembles Hades quite a bit, um, not quite in its art style, but would you say that it does enough that enough to differentiate itself that fans of Hades um, would enjoy playing this at, as a new game, as its own experience? Yes, I definitely think that so. Um, like I said, it has a parry, which is something Hades doesn't have. I love and a good parry and repost. Parries are great. And this one has a stamina management to it. Um, so you are limited to your stamina, which can be used for dodge rolling and for like Ooh. charged attacks or finishers. Um, which is something that differentiates from Hades, where you can you have your dashes, but you can like spam dash all you want, pretty much. It sounds like a full-fledged sort of action game uh, inside of a roguelike. Yeah, it's very similar. I don't know if I would compare it to Dark Souls, but it's kind of like Dark Souls, like with the parries, with the stamina management, with like the maces and the swords is the uh enemy design like lovecraftian no definitely jungly like you okay i'm facing like jaguars and uh oh what are those called like the uh shamans shamans mm. facing the those sort of monsters uh harpies is another one in the game as well so a little bit more jungly I see. I saw the glowing purple gem on the uh, thumbnail in the Switch shop, and I felt a Lovecraftian vibe. Oh, yeah. So that's actually the other mechanic of the game, which is corruption. Um, you have a corruption meter that you have to manage, and the corruption meter goes up by 20 for every floor you pass through. And every time it, that corruption meter hits 100, you get another curse. And the curses Ooh. can be kind of bad, but can sometimes be all right. Like one curse, they're always like a give and take sort of deal. So one of the curses is uh, chests are now trapped, but and to open them, you have to parry the trapped attack, but the chest contains more loot. That sounds so cool. So I would definitely say it uh, differentiates itself from Hades uh, a fair bit. Yeah, that sounds very cool. Sounds uh, like the game has enough depth uh, to keep you interested. Mm -hmm. That one was Curse of the Dead Gods. Check that one out. Um, but Vince, I haven't asked you yet. Um, tell me what you've been playing. So uh, I've been continuing my uh, Ring Fit adventure. I uh, continue yes. to get those gains, um, and uh, I gotta, I gotta tell y'all, it's not a joke. It's not a game you play for, for like a good laugh. It's like the perfected We Fit. The thing about We Fit was it wasn't fun to play. It was just kind of boring. And it was like a decent exercise if you were like really trying, but you didn't really have a reason to play it other than your own motivation. Um, they threw Pokemon in the son of a gun, and I'm in. And, you know, not like actual Pokemon, but I'm fighting like 
monsters with advantage and like type weaknesses and my pokemon are my body parts my abs my legs my arms um i am the true pokemon trainer of myself and that is why i continue to play ring fit adventure dude that game kicks your ass yeah it really does <laughs> like i got it right at the beginning of the pandemic when uh right before the pandemic actually for christmas and when the pandemic start, uh, started and i couldn't go to the gym i started using it like i was like oh, okay maybe i'll like work up a sweat or something no that thing absolutely destroys you if you want it to <laughs> i was dripping in sweat in the first like 30 minutes i couldn't believe it um and i you know i live in an apartment so i have to play uh with the silent mode uh which i think is a great inclusion every uh workout game should have this uh going forward but basically because uh, movement in Ring Fit Adventure involves you like moving your legs, like normally you would just sort of jog in place. But mm. silent mode is to make it quieter, less vibrations. And how they do it instead is you have to squat. Now, oh, the joy that sounds like even more work. Yeah, the Joy-Con is in the middle of your thigh, and like it knows when you're not squatting low enough. Mm -hmm. It is vicious. <laughs> like, to get really effective squats in when you're fighting enemies, you have to push it lower. And, like, I skipped one day last week just because I was feeling tired, and at work I had to, like, bend over to pick up something. Just, like, I did it so casually, but as I was getting up, I made, like, the oldest man, like, Argh! <laughs> <laughs> just disgusting that game is great it, it and like people i remember when it like came out too and like people saw the price tag for it was like 70 bucks and we're like kind of bitching and griping it's like oh why is it that expensive but like besides like the ring con and everything you get like quite a bit of content in the game itself yeah there's like a uh, rhythm mode now i mm -hmm wonder if anyone will find a way to open source the joy cons and get that like online and we can have like a ring kong osu or like ddr type thing oh that'd be so much fun how tight would that be um be but that's not the only thing i'm playing last week i mentioned that i wasn't uh i was the only person in the hardcore gamers uh discord without a ps5 and uh, finally, last week, the gods descended and kissed me on my little cheeks and said, you can have a PS5. And uh, it took two hours of refreshing a Walmart page. And like at the final moment, at the last drop, I was just like able to finally check out. This thing was moving in and out of my cart. I was doing checkout. I was unable to fulfill checkout. And then one time I did it, and it was like, okay, here you go. Oh, congratulations. <laughs> Round of applause, everyone. The man has done it. Uh, Thank he's you. moved on to the next generation. Uh, when's your PS5 supposed to be there, Vince? Uh, next month, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> I really hope not. Um, but I, I'm saddened that I will have to buy another copy of Devil May Cry so that I can play Virgil and get that sweet ray tracing. So I've been really uh, excited 
uh, for that. And so to kind of like get in the mood, I got the uh, cross-gen bundle of Call of Duty Cold War. And Ooh. I'm playing Call of Duty again. It feels like middle school again. It like, honestly, this is the, I haven't played a lot of Call of Duties uh, since uh, probably Black Ops 2, Black Ops 3. I didn't play Advanced War. I tried to play Ghosts, but I had no reason to. Um, and this Call of Duty feels like Modern Warfare 2. It feels like old Call of Duty, which I love. Now, it sounds like you've had a similar journey as me. You probably didn't play the Call of Duties while we were in college, but I jumped back into um, Black Ops Cold War myself, which has been my first Call of Duty in a hot minute. Uh, how, how do you think, uh, what do you think of it coming back to the series after a break? So coming back to it, uh, I feel uh, very excited to uh, be immersed in it. Although uh, starting out, it's pretty difficult um, for for like returning fans because you do have to like you you have to start the grind all over again. You gotta level up, gotta earn your guns, gotta earn all your perks, gotta make your classes. I played the uh, alpha and the beta of uh, Call of Duty Cold War, and I loved being able to uh, have those like bigger classes. But now I just have nothing. <laughs> I have like the measliest, measliest little SMG that I'm trying to make work, and uh, thank goodness the like second sniper you unlock is like the highest damage one. Yeah, well, very fun. Um, we will have to uh, hop on there. Kirk and I will have to yeah, hop on that uh, there with you and get our hardcore gamers clan going. I'm ready. That brings us to our town hall. Remember, listeners, you can participate in our town hall on Twitter using the hashtag town hall at HGZ Games Show, that's games with a Z, or by email at hgztownhall at gmail.com. Uh, so we got a couple of emails here. This first one comes to us from Nathan Drake's burner account. Uh, Nathan, Nathan writes, with games like Final Fantasy VII coming to PS Plus less than a year after its initial release, how am I supposed to know when to buy a game? Is it ever safe? It seems like if I'm patient, I can play them all for free eventually. Yeah, so Nathan's referring to that Final Fantasy VII remake uh, coming to PS Plus this month, and that game only came out last April. So what's the deal there? Uh, Nathan, I don't, you don't always buy games at release. Um, is there a benefit to being a patient gamer? 100%. Um, first and foremost, money. Uh, <laughs> I, so I recently joined like a Reddit sub that's called uh, Patient Gamer. Uh, like, okay, not recently, like six months to like a year ago. And ever since, like, being on that and just, like, adopting that mentality, I've, like, started to realize, like, I really don't need to buy this, like, at full sticker price, like, right off the shelf at launch. So maybe Nathan could learn a thing or two from our hardcore gamer, Nathan, um, and play the long game to get some of these games. Um, so I think probably i 
I agree with the philosophy of like taking your time and enjoying uh, the games you have before rushing into a new game, sort of understanding like what you're purchasing when you buy a game. Uh, however, I do think like that argument for me starts to falter as the game's like initial price point drops. Like if we look at a game like Hollow Knight, that cost $15. And anyone who's played Hollow Knight would probably have paid 20 for it. Like, I would have paid like at 60. least. <laughs> yeah. I've, I've bought multiple versions of Hollow Knight um, because I want to like support Team Cherry and I want to kind of like vote with my dollar about like paying a full price or a premium for a game that I really like or uh, that I am excited about. I uh, had originally planned to buy Persona 5 Royal Collector's Edition um, without even having owned a PS4 at the time. And then uh, something happened to the planet and uh, suddenly that 80 bucks could have been better used. But I think ultimately, like, the choice is yours to kind of, like, be honest with yourself about are you going to play this game? Do you think you're going to like this game? Like, is it worth it to play it now versus worth it to play it later? I didn't buy Final Fantasy VII Remake at full price. I bought it for 30 bucks, and I'm glad I did because I can upgrade to the PS5 version. This PS Plus version doesn't have that function, doesn't have that feature. So giving that up, you're essentially asking, like, how much is it worth to have this upgrade later or to have a f more full version of the game or is it better to just have this free version because i'm not really interested in final fantasy 7 remake anyway but if it's free i'll probably play it free is always an attractive price on video games but uh, i think nathan is getting to another issue um that we sometimes face as well and that's when you spend your money on the game and then it becomes free um without you ever having an idea that that was going to happen kirk have you ever bought a game uh just to be burned by it going on sale uh the next week or very soon after oh man have i ever done that um I can't say that I have, honestly, or I've never at least paid attention, but um, I don't think that's something to be all too worried about, because, I mean, we can't predict the future. Um, if we could, we would be making the best money decisions we could possibly make. Um, but I think, at least for me, gaming is my main hobby, so if I, I don't mind spending the money um because my money's not coming up elsewhere if you look at like snowboarding you have or um biking though those also cost like a lot of money to put into um so i i guess it's just where you feel comfortable putting your money because there are more expensive hobbies i would say uh, i would say gaming's not all that expensive of a hobby if you're buying a game and getting your playtime out of it, then it's a pretty good deal. So there you have it, Nathan. Um, it's kind of up to you of when you decide that a game is worth um, the price that it's listed at for yourself. 
Multi-platform Pete writes in and asks, what are the hardcore gamers thoughts on trophies slash achievements? Do they make a game better or worse? I used to mostly ignore them, but as someone who owns a PlayStation and recently bought a Switch, it feels like a little something is missing when I accomplish a goal that in a game in a game that would have triggered a trophy to pop on any other platform. And what do you guys think about that? Um, do trophies, uh, do they add anything to a game? Um, or do they, are they, do you feel like they're missing if you're playing on Switch? Honestly, I don't know about you guys, but when that little trophy uh, notification pops up, when it blips, I get an endorphin rush directly to my spine. It feels oh, sure. so good. Something about accomplishing some tasks and getting notified about it, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's why notification centers exist on your phone. It's a little like bubble of engagement. So when the game itself goes, hey, good job, like it feels very, very good. So Nathan, I know you play a lot of games on Switch. Do you ever miss getting a trophy pop if you collect all the stars in a level or something? Uh, not at all. <laughs> um, <laughs> so no, so I, I, I play a lot of games both on my Switch and on my PlayStation, but I also play a lot of retro games like on my N64, my GameCube, um, uh, my, my partner's Wii. Um, I play a lot of games all across the board. Like before, like trophies like even existed, we've all been there, right? We played games mm -hmm. whatsoever. There, there was a time without trophies and right. achievements. Yes, right. and I've got like it's kind of a mixed bag for me. Like on the one hand, like it's super like when you do like uh, get a trophy during a game, like Vince is right. Like there's kind of a little blip. It's like a endorphin shot off, right? And you're, you get a little <laughs> bit dopamine in your brain you're like that was dope but it's also like think about on the other side of that that's kind of like probably like the same reaction you would get if you're at a casino and you see like those flashing lights pop off right like i don't know it's some point like it's nice to complete games and get the achievements for it but at the same token are you like actually enjoying like the game after a certain point when you're trying to like completely trophy hunt or you're just playing to get all that trophies for just bragging rights i guess i <laughs> i don't know it's i've some of my favorite games are on playstation some of them are on switch there's no like tro the trophy system never really goes into whether or not i enjoy a game right it depends on the game a little bit for me because I know I had a lot of fun getting the Platinum Trophy in Spider-Man Miles Morales as well as Ghost of Tsushima. Um, and Ghost of Tsushima was probably one that was a little more uh, annoying, checklisty, go find all of these collectibles. Um, but the gameplay was fun enough and the world was uh, fun enough to travel around in where I still wanted to play more of that game. Mm -hmm. um, so getting the, getting the trophies gave me task list on top of, um, you know, the regular game story to go do and play in that world. Mm -hmm. um, but I know that sometimes I find that way more annoying um, 
like in a giant open world like Assassin's Creed, where also fun to move around in and play, I guess, but it seems like they hide so many more things in so many more corners. Um, there's no way I'm interested in hunting down all of those trophies. Right. Well, and it's just like, again, it it's different philosophies for different gamers, right? Some gamers play to get different kinds of rushes for a video game, right? And like, and this like goes to like the companies themselves, like PlayStation has the trophies, like Xbox has achievements, et cetera, et cetera. And Nintendo's like kind of the oddball out here with no like trophy system because they don't want you to like complete their games like that. That's why they make the rewards so minuscule when you do complete the game. Think like Breath of the Wild, when you collect all the Korok seeds, you get <laughs> literally a golden turd because you're not supposed <laughs> to do that. <laughs> you are the golden turd. <laughs> yeah, you are the like dummy who went and collected all these Korok seeds. So yeah, it's to each their own, I say. Like it is cool having a trophy system if you do enjoy a game so much that you get kind of like more to do after the side quests and missions are done. But yeah. I I think they can add some uh unique challenges though. Um two i'm thinking of one was a little bit more tedious but um risk of rain 2 is the only game i've platinumed on the playstation 5 uh but one of the uh, trophies on that was you had to uh chase hermit crabs off of a cliff um a hermit crab is one of the enemies in the game that uh doesn't directly face you and hides away shooting at you from afar so when you get close to them they kind of run away from you to reposition uh, so that was a little tedious, but kind of a little fun. Uh, but Manifold Garden is the other one I'm thinking of. And that is a that trophy that I'm still trying to, eventually going to circle back to get. It's completing the game without picking up any of the Omnicubes, is what they call them, which is the main like driver of the world for that game oh all of those colored blocks the the really bright colorful one yeah oh so the the achievement is to beat the game without getting those and if you're going through it normally you have to pick those up to be able to progress so it's an interesting challenge to present you in trying to get so um, to circle back around a little bit to multi-platform Pete's question, does that make the game better or worse, or I guess um, add uh, enough significance where, so it sounds like you're playing on PlayStation for Man- Manifold Garden then. Yes. Um, but if you were playing on Switch and you had already beaten this game, um, would you have put it down by now because it sounds like this extra challenge wouldn't be there. So in that way, um, is it adding kind of something to make the game better? Uh, I think it is. It's not like I'm like actively trying to get that trophy, um, but it provides an, an idea for me to be able to circle back to it if I wanted to. Whereas if I played it on Switch, I would have never knew that that was even possible in the game. Um, there is still a carrot left on the stick yeah, for you. Yeah, so I still have like that option to be able to circle back and try to get that. So I think it's a plus, personally. Uh, I have found that uh, while playing different games, I have sort of different motivations with them. 
Um, when I was playing Shovel Knight, I wanted to play the game to the end. And when little achievements popped up on my 3DS, I was like, oh, this is neat, but, you know, it's mostly going to be like, oh, at the end of the game, how many are left? Like, wow, that's a lot. Okay. Like, you know, not really caring about it. And I felt the same about Hollow Knight, although Hollow Knight does have sort of like an in-game achievement system where it'll show you the first time that you complete uh, like a certain enemy or run or you get to a certain point in the game, they have an on-screen uh, small portrait appear with a name. And if you go and check your uh, list of like feats or achievements or whatever they're called, uh, you can see those portraits next to what the achievement was and how you earned it. Uh, so on Switch, that was a little neat thing that I could explore and not have to worry about engaging with. Now on the PS4, when I hover over the app, I see 17%. And like that sort of bugs me a bit. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Not like it's sort of blown. calling to you to come back in, come back yeah. in and finish, finish mm-hmm. what you've got left here. I feel like I'm being goaded on by like some jock, like, don't you want to platinum every game you play? Not really. <laughs> It took me, like, two playthroughs of Persona 5 Royal to platinum it um, because I couldn't access a certain part of the story in my first playthrough, but also because, like, you know, I just hadn't gotten the correct Persona. I hadn't filled out all the uh, achievements. Also, by the way, y'all, Persona 5 Royal, really easy platinum. Uh, you can you can get that pretty easy if you like the game. Um Control, also, that's an easy platinum. That was a really fun game for me to finish and like get the platinum. Persona 5 Royal, I just knew it was a matter of time. But with Control, there were achievements like, you know, I think there was like getting like five kills with a shotgun in like 10 seconds or something, or something ridiculous like that, right? Like, those are fun little challenges that you can try and defeat. And when you do see that platinum trophy or when you do see like a gold trophy or just any trophy at all, you feel that sense of accomplishment. What I did was worth something. And there you have it, Pete. Uh, trophies and achievements. They're pretty good. We're a fan. Uh, listeners, you can participate in our town hall on Twitter using the hashtag town hall at HGZ Games Show. That's games with a Z. Or at the email... Uh, at hgztownhall at gmail.com. This week we're brought to you by whoever listened to the last episode. Thank you so much for your interest in our show. Uh, last I checked, that episode's up to about 20 listens. Uh, if you're enjoy- Yeah, woohoo. Uh, if you're enjoying the show, tell a friend about it. Uh, you can now find us on most major platforms, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, etc. Uh, Give us a review, let us know what you think, and be sure to subscribe and make sure you don't miss out on our Game Club episode airing at the end of each and every month. All right, let's dive right in to our news this week. Uh, First, we've got a follow-up to a story that we covered last week about publisher Paradox Interactive dropping Hardsuit Labs as the developer for the upcoming game Vampire the Masquerade Bloodlines 2. I'm reading from Marie D'Alessandri at gamesindustry.biz, where she writes, Hardsuit Labs underwent layoffs following the announcement last week that it was dropped as the developer of Vampire the Masquerade Bloodlines 2. 
Several employees at the Seattle studio announced on Twitter that they were laid off with writer and narrative designer Anna C. Webster saying that she was made redundant, quote, alongside the rest of the narrative department, end quote. Uh, the extent of the redundancies beyond the narrative team is unclear at this time, with at least one producer affected as well. Um, Bloodlines the Masquerade, uh, Vampire the Masquerade Bloodlines 2 uh, has had a troubled development journey so far. Uh, the game was already delayed from 2020 to 2021 in August of last year. Um, it has now been pushed back and a new release window has not been announced. Um, so probably not much more to add to that story, uh, but I did want to follow up since we had covered that last week. Um, obviously, our thoughts go out to any devs uh, that had been laid off. Um, and like I said, not much more to say other than that game development is pretty hard and sometimes doesn't go the way that um, the teams have imagined, I think. I'm mad. I'm mad. Yeah, tell me about it. Why aren't they making the game? What what's going on? I feel like I know nothing. <laughs> They're just like we don't want them making the game anymore. I know a lot of mystery surrounding that one. They did not uh, give a specific reason for taking Hard Suit Labs off of there, um, and they, to my knowledge, have not announced a replacement developer um, as of yet as well. So, uh, Vampire of the Masquerade are in a little bit of uh, limbo, development limbo right now. Microsoft continues to prove my point that they don't know anything about releasing a console. They got lucky with Halo. So I just pulled up the Hard Labs website just to see, like, you know, if they posted anything. And if you go under their, like, games tab, it just says 404 page not found. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, man. Um, I, I did see uh, that I think... Hardlight made um, Blacklight Retribution, um, which was a free uh, FPS shooter uh, that released on PlayStation 4. Um, it's got a 58 here on Metacritic, uh, but it does have some positive reviews. I think maybe as part of it being a free game uh, that people can get into, um, but that looks like that was their only um, release as of yet. Game developing's hard. On to some brighter news. Um, are we finally getting a new Switch model? Uh, this story comes to us from Takashi Mo Mochizuki and Sohee Kim uh, reporting with Bloomberg, where they write, uh, Nintendo Co. Uh, plans to unveil a model of its Switch gaming console equipped with a bigger Samsung OLED display this year, hoping the larger touchscreen can prop up demand in time for the holidays, people familiar with the plan said. Samsung, will start mass producing 7-inch 720p resolution OLED panels as early as June with an initial monthly target of just under a million units, said the people, uh, who asked not to be identified discussing internal matters. The displays are slated for shipment to assemblers around July, the people said. Representatives for Nintendo and Samsung declined to comment. Um, the, uh, I, I'm not even to the best part yet. Um, let's see. They have another quote here. They say the OLED panel will consume less battery, offer higher contrast, and possibly faster response time uh, when compared to the Switch's current liquid crystal display, said Yoshio Tamura, 
co-founder of Display Consultancy, DSCC. Um, Nintendo decided to go with rigid OLED panels for the new model, uh, the people said, a cheaper but less flexible alternative to the type commonly used for high-end smartphones. The latest model will also come with 4K ultra-high definition graphics when paired with TVs, they said, that could intensify a long-standing complaint of developers who have struggled with the difference in resolution between handheld and TV modes and now face a bigger gap between the two. The new display's resolution mirrors the current Switch and Switch Lite, but is an upgrade from the Switch's 6.2-inch and Lite's 5.5-inch screen. If the console's housing remains unchanged, the new Switch is likely to, to sport a thinner bezel. Nathan, a lot to take in there, um, but let's start from the top with the exciting news. New Switch model, uh, bigger screen, better battery, are you into it? Is that doing anything for you? Oh, I'm into it. Um, <laughs> I. Um, this was no, the sexiest story this week. <laughs> <laughs> no, this is cool. This is I, I definitely like see this coming. I think it's going to be kind of like the. I I think it's going to be similar to like the 3ds XL like kind of jump where it's just like looks really nice, right? And like kind of holds better plays better but it's not going to completely ditch the old switch model or anything um yeah this is exciting i already like i like the switch screen as is like it looks decent to me but you know give me those crispy graphics why not <laughs> i love hearing that uh there's going to be a faster response time on these screens because I feel like I've noticed that recently while playing handheld that they're like maybe it is so minute a delay that I am just overthinking it. But uh, I thought maybe that there was a little like small response delay. Um, so I'd be so so excited to see a brighter screen. Uh, love that transition, by the way. Um, and a more, like, clear screen as well. I think some of that, like, depth of color is lost on the current Switch display. That OLED is really going to bump up those colors, especially on Nintendo games. Mario Odyssey on an OLED screen? Oh, oh baby. <laughs> oh, boy. But I guess that brings me to the second part of this story, which I think was sort of uh, buried by... Uh, just the excitement of a new Switch model. And that was the news that the, um, I guess, handheld uh, screen version is still going to come in 720p resolution, even with uh, the brighter, more clear OLED uh, panel. Um, they are still going to have the long-standing complaint of developers who have struggled with the difference in resolution between handheld and TV modes. So if they are upgrading to 4K for the docked version, there's going to be an even bigger gap uh, that devs have to plan for uh, between docked and handheld. Um, you think that's going to create kind of or or perpetuates the problem that we already sort of have. Well, sure sounds like it. I mean, I I feel like there's more to this story. Uh, there's there's a new dock, right? As well, that was something 
that was mentioned, or that docked displays can now uh, docks can now display up to 4K. Okay, Nintendo decided to go with rigid OLED panels for the new model. The the people said a cheaper but less flexible alternative for the type commonly used for high-end smartphones. The latest model will also come with 4K ultra high definition graphics when paired with TVs. They said. So we are getting this report from people close to the project who don't want to be named. Hmm. So kind of, I guess, kind of hard to get um, a lot of the concrete details. So I think there is more to this story. I think the reason we're not hearing from Samsung too much uh, is because I think there's something special going on there. Um, and you know, Nintendo's definitely going to want to make a big show about announcing their screen. I think 720p is still a pretty, pretty low number for the Switch. I assumed maybe that like, if they were going to have this screen, they would probably be needing some more power, right? Well, where's that power really going to come from, if not from like a larger battery or like? A, a smarter processor and at that point like why are you limited to a 70 720p display uh i'll tell you why costs oh don't tell me that nintendos well, are free well no like well, th think about like this like nintendo's always kind of their philosophy since like the gamecube days really has been like make innovative technology and kind of lower end hardware to keep the costs down. Um, and they've, that's just like how it's been. Um, I think they could do, I think te technologically they could make this switch, like, you know, have the 4k processor, have like the 10 AP screen, but it would cost a whole lot more. I'm like talking like probably 500 plus like <laughs> range really to do like, what we really want it to do. So there's got to be sacrifices in there to keep that cost down. Um, yeah. Kirk, uh, do you own a Switch? Uh, yeah, I have a Switch Lite. So this news is a little, like, lukewarm for me because I don't... I, I, I really prefer playing it handheld. I think I, I enjoy it the most playing handheld, so I don't. I'm not going to get a docking station or... A switch that can even dock at all so it looks like for me it would just be a larger screen i guess with a little bit brighter colors which could be nice but i was really hoping for like 1080p at least that would be a, a version of the switch pro that you'd be like that that's your dream version because that's my dream version i was hoping for 1080p yeah, well, I mean, my dream version would be 4K, but 1080p <laughs> is like a compromise I was willing to make. It seems like it's the standard for most screens. You would think. Yeah. Yes, um, that's what I wanted. And I think that that is a good question of where is that extra power going to be coming from? Because I, I the dock that we currently have, um, it, it doesn't have anything in it. You know, it, it, it just is that little piece of plastic but it doesn't have any boosting hardware um so to speak in itself so maybe this will be like a larger no well i mean they're saying it's a thinner switch so i guess technology just well do that. 
they they're saying that the screen has a thinner bezel. It means that it'll probably take up the same uh, surface area as oh. the current switch, but the uh, little uh, sides, the the like, <laughs> yeah, I want to call it letterboxing. <laughs> yes, the frame, the the frame is going to be smaller. Um, but I wonder if it will be thicker uh, to maybe accommodate some more power and a probably a different dock. The the switch dock, like you said, Michael, is essentially just like a USB. You know, mm-hmm. you you plug your switch into an HDMI port and and it's off to the races and you're taking in battery or you're taking in power to display to the screen. Um, but you're not boosting like the processing power of the switch. That's why mm-hmm. when you dock it, the fan goes uh, crazy because it has to now because it's outputting at 1080p. So mm-hmm. unless there are, is like a stronger processor on the inside to support a stronger battery, a more long lasting battery, a uh, higher output uh, or at least brightness output a screen like you have to have something in that dock right I that's why I feel like we, we haven't heard the last of the Switch Pro like I think there's more to the story I think we're getting a taste right now I think maybe people don't actually know what the display of the screen is maybe Maybe we're seeing the Switch Pro light. I'm calling it now that the next Switch model that does come out, that's when we're going to see Breath of the Wild 2 also. Calling it now. Ooh, yeah. We will have to wait and see, but hopefully not too long. Um, it sounds like, uh, according to the report we read, uh, displays are slated for shipment to assembler, assemblers around July. So not too far off that's gonna do it for the hardcore gamers show this week uh follow us on twitter at hgz games show that's games with a z and find us wherever you get podcasts by searching for the hardcore gamers show remember that's games with a z don't forget to follow and submit your thoughts on our game of the month so you can help us decide if the game can win our hardcore seal of approval in our game club episode airing at the end of each and every month Thank you, Vince. Thank you, Nathan. Thank you, Kirk. My name is Michael Koval. This was the Hardcore Gamers Show. Gamers out. Mm-hmm.